Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Today's episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast is brought to you by Baylor Scott & White Sports Performance Center, Athletes Made Here. The Sports Performance Center was developed with one goal in mind, to maximize human performance through movement and recovery. Their team of expert performance sports coaches and trainers will guide you to achieve your performance goals. That's the Baylor Scott & White Sports Performance Center, located at the Star in Frisco. This episode is also brought to you by Allen Dental Studio, located off Bethany drive in Allen. Their office was designed with you, the patient, in mind, which means an excellent and enjoyable experience. From cosmetics to implants, you deserve a perfect smile, and Allen Dental Studio can make that happen. Also, don't want to leave out another longtime friend of the podcast, Texan Senior Residential Care Homes. With locations in Carrollton and Dallas, Texan Senior Residential Care Homes offers an affordable, high-quality alternative to senior living. Call now at 469-400-7650. That's Texen, spelled T-E-X-S-E-N, Texen Senior Residential Care Homes. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, being joined by Devin Hansen and Kendrick Johnson. Gentlemen, week 11 of high school football season is here. The last week of the regular season means our last game of the week podcast for the regular season and whatnot. And man, we had probably our most contentious poll of the season thus far because you had three of the five games that had massive turnouts from the uh, from those respective student bodies. So big thanks to everybody who went to the website, starlocalmedia.com, and voted on this week's poll. Um, ultimately, though, it was a matchup that uh, we talked you know, a bit about it on Monday's podcast. We've been hinting that this was going to be a big game all season long, and sure enough, it was voted game of the week. All summer long. All summer long. <laughs> Mesquite Poteet and McKinney North, the District 7-5A Division One championship game. It'll take place Friday, 7 o'clock at Mesquite Memorial Stadium. Um, so, yeah, Kendra, you've been seeing McKinney North all year. Devin, you've been covering Poteet all year. So um, I'm probably not going to have a ton to say on this one. And I'm just going to kind of sit back and ring the bell and let you guys, you know, trade uh, trade blows. But um, nevertheless, so to run down kind of the ramifications of what is at stake in this game. So you have, um, you know, McKinney North is in first place in District 75A Division One. They're 5-0 and in district play, 8-1 and overall on the season. They have a, a one-game lead on Poteet, who's 4-1 and in district, and then 5-4. and They had a bit of a shaky start, um, you know, and they're in second place in District 75A Division 1. Now, by virtue of having that one-game lead already, North has already locked up a share of the district championship, so they can call themselves either outright or co-district champions. They do have a district championship next to their uh, next to their season when all is said and done. Um, but nevertheless, this game Friday is going to decide who gets that number one seed for the playoffs, because obviously if Poteet wins and they tie in the uh, district standings, the head-to-head would go to the Pirates by virtue of that victory, and they would be co-district champs. Now, we had uh, kind of a, uh, an off-the-air discussion on Monday is to um you know if you're McKinney North and you are already have a you know you're already guaranteed a share but if you lose this game then I guess what is the the sentiment around the program because you know even though they might not have the head-to-head victory it is still technically a district championship even though you did lose to the other team that does have the other half um, but nevertheless though so the big thing though is who can get that number one seed though for the playoffs because if you look at the brackets if you're that two seed then should you advance out of the first round there stands a chance that you could be looking opposite 
office at uh, Highland Park in the second round, and you know what? I'll be brave enough to say it. That's not desirable. <laughs> That's so. Um, so yes, obviously. Um, you know, just for the sake of being able to, I guess, and, you know, from a, moment, a momentum standpoint. Absolutely. I mean, both these teams not only are in, but they're going to be hosting the mm -hmm. first round, which is hugely important. Yes. Um, but you know, you never want to. As great a season as McKinney North has had, and, and Poteet, you know, has gotten hot here the last you know month and a half or so. You don't want to stumble, even if it's against wow. a very good team. You don't want to stumble and lose some of that momentum you build mm -hmm. up. You know, heading into the playoffs. So, um, all right. So, yeah, we can uh, we can just kind of go. We'll start with McKinney North because obviously with McKinney North, we've talked you know a ton about them in the podcast. Be it just the prolific offense, which is still the best thing going right now in the Metroplex at the Class Five A level. Um, so, yeah, Kendrick, just talk a bit about kind of the role that the Bulldogs are on right now, and just kind of how you're feeling heading into, into this game on Friday. I feel it. Johnson Thomas told y'all. I'll start off with it's a huge like like you were saying about the Cole and outright it's a huge deal. These guys are hungry for an outright district title. Uh, North's been open for going on twenty years has not happened. Okay, basically. so yeah, that's so it's, obviously it's a, it's a huge it's a milestone. Goal. They they want they want to end. Mm -hmm. If they win, they'll be they'll be nine regular season wins. No um, McKinney North team other than like Ronald Jones's team has won eight. Nobody's won nine. In the regular season, so they they have a lot of like team goals mm -hmm. of distinguished them themselves within the program of winning this game Friday night. And then last year, I think they just had a bad taste in their mouth because um, the quarterback at the time, time starting quarterback Cam Coxing got hurt. And then Markowitz it was his first official start as, hey, you're our guy. We're not going to switch in and out. Mm -hmm. And I looked at the stats earlier. I think he had 137 yards passing. He does that in one quarter now. Yeah. And then um, Manny Fincher, who's um, leading the area in rushing that kind of gets overlooked with the passing game, had 278 yards and three touchdowns. So if, the, if they can get Fincher going with the Markowitz in the passing game, I feel very confident that – North is going to win this game because I don't see how they can lose this game if they score forty points or more. Mm. With um, so we yeah, Devin, kind of talk about just the uh, the stakes and just kind of the vibe around uh, you know Mesquite Potidu once again is right in the in the thick of the uh, the district title picture heading into this uh, into this home stretch. You know, last year it was between them and you know them and John Tyler and whatnot. And now obviously them and uh, them and McKinney North. So to kind of get over that hump, just kind of talk a bit about kind of the vibe around the Pirates right now. Well, you know, you mentioned the slow start and they mm -hmm. they weren't healthy and they took their loans. I mean, you know, they're playing teams like Denton Ryan. Yeah. Um, had a real head scratcher against Walks of Hatchet that they lost in a shootout. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, and we've talked about the beginning of the North, and I've acknowledged that that, that machine is tough to slow down. You've at least seen it in stop. person, so you're yeah, well aware yeah. of what it can do. Um, you know, but the Poteet defense, I think it feels confident coming in. Um, they know they're not going to pitch a shit out, shutout. But, um, you know, in their last six games since that slow start, they're, at, they're allowing 16.7 points per game. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they had the hiccup against West Mesquite where they lost 31 to 17, but that was more self-inflicted. I mean, they only gave up 257 yards, yeah. but they turned the ball over three times. They hurt themselves. They had 15 penalties. Um, you know, just the defense was put in situation you know, weren't put in a position to succeed uh, you know last week uh, against John Tyler a really impressive 37 14 victory uh, Katan Crawford John Tyler's outstanding running back they held him to under 100 yards mm -hmm. um, and, and I think like I say uh, they have guys in the secondary Jalen Hodo uh, who's last year's district uh, defensive player of the year mm -hmm. uh, Jamal Jackson uh, Jeremiah uh, Akuman who actually had the big pick six. I mean, John Tyler still had a chance to make a late comeback last week, and mm -hmm. he picks off a pass, takes it back 89 yards, uh, kind of for the game-sealing interception touchdown return, similar to how the McKinney-North-Poteet game ended last year with yeah, Cam Lapkin taking it back. But I really think the important, uh, the most important focus um, 
is on those linebackers. Um, Poteet has good, athletic, active linebackers. Stephen Kirk and Jalen Updike, uh, Nicholas DeVille and Bryce Hamilton and Brenton Hamilton up there on the line. Because I think the biggest key for them is to try to slow down and limit what they can Manny Fincher. Because he was, mm -hmm. I mean, he's so impressive every time I've seen him play. And... I mean, they're going to get there through the air just because of the style of offense they play. But if they can, they're not going to take him out of it. But if they allow him to pick up eight, nine yards of carry like he's yeah. basically been averaging this year, and they can hurt you both ways, I just don't see how they can slow down both. I think they're going to focus on the run, try to limit Fincher as much as possible, and maybe try to make, you know, McKinney uh, force a couple of mistakes through the mm -hmm. air, or they do have those playmakers on the outside. Well, I actually, when it comes to mistakes, that, that interception, in a weird way, set the tone for this year's uh, team because they missed out having a home game because that was because John Tyler had clinched last year mm -hmm. so they were playing for that second spot and he'll get a home game and um, that was Markowitz um, threw two picks in the last quarter and then he went the whole like first seven games without throwing a pick so he used that as motivation so he's kind of looking forward to unlike Sam Darnold he doesn't see ghosts <laughs> his OT so uh, he's definitely um, looking forward for this stage but besides um, I, I talked about um, Fincher and um, Markowitz Markowitz, but Markowitz has weapons. You got Brandon Frazier, four-star tight end for going to Arkansas. J.J. Jones is second in um, receiving yards, has 1,075 and 12 touchdowns. And then the undercover guy, the, the linchpin in all this, is um, Sean Mansoor. Yeah. The dude just flats out catch everything. And he's a baseball player. He's district MVP for baseball. Because yeah. he doesn't make any errors. He, he, he had a huge game against West. West Mesquite was so busy with their other skilled guys last week. Yeah. I mean, he was wide open every single time they threw it to him. And I think he had eight catches for 125 yeah. and, a, and a touchdown. And, and, and then Noah Ford, because Ford, um, Ford, J.J., Frazier, and um, I miss somebody, Mansoor, all have over five yards receiving. Yeah. It's, like, what a luxury, though, when your number four wide receiver or whatever yeah. is capable of just, he can be your lead guy on some night. It's such a luxury. No other, I'm not sure there is another offense in the state that has that kind of uh, that kind of depth at the uh, at the skill positions. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just to kind of keep you all abreast of kind of where the McKinney North offense is at as far as their uh, their ranks or whatnot. I mean, it's, I need to, like, we need to go back and find out, like, the last time that, like, at least historically, kind of where this offense stacks Seven years in a row, they've scored. They have 40 points or more for a season, which to me is crazy. And this is the most prolific. This is the most passing yards. It's the most it's second most rushing yards. This is the most total, and this is the most points. I just mean like in the area in general, like across all those Metroplex teams in gotcha. 5A, because it's. I mean, it's. You look at the numbers. I mean, it's. It is a special, special group. I mean, they're averaging on average. Again, this is. This is like the again, not above, not below. This is the. This is the median performance for them. It is a 580. 1.8 yards per game. That's number one in the area among 5A schools. Um, passing yardage, you know, 335.9. That's obviously also number one. And, you know, Markowitz, the leading passer in the area. You know, rushing yards, Manny Fincher, that's the number 10 rushing offense at 245.9. And they have the number four scoring offense at 54.3. Um, you know, we've talked about the power players for the, you know, for the McKinney North offense. With Poteet, obviously the, uh, the biggest name when you think of Poteet is, you know, Oklahoma commit running back Seth McGowan, who is you know, he's got 840 rushing yards, you know, this season, albeit, you know, with, I mean, how many games has he missed? Four? Yeah, he's, yeah. He's basically three. Yeah, 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 so you still wonder what that, I mean, 
That's why I said, what do you think about Jaden Smith, a sophomore? He impresses me. They have a sophomore that's a change of pace guy for North. He's got 529 yards and four tubs. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that can come on you when you least expect it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen him. Yeah, he, he didn't He didn't get a lot yeah. of, uh, of touches. Different style there, runner from Fincher, yeah. too. Um, but, yeah, you mentioned, you know, Seth McGowan's missed the last. He missed the season yeah. opener. He missed the last two weeks. And that's kind um, of the, the big subplot heading into yeah, this game he, because. He, that's the big mystery kind of coming in mm-hmm. um, because he's certainly a difference maker. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, in, he's only had 82 carries this season, but he's averaging better than 10 yards a carry. Um, you know, yeah, last he, last year in this game, he goes 30 carries for 242 and three touchdowns. Yeah. Um, if he's not available, that's going to be really tough to replace. But they found something last week. That's I know, and, and I'm and fascinated Davion, to hear more about this kid. Davion Jeans, um, you know, Seth McGowan is your prototypical college prospect, yeah. six foot. 220, solid muscle, breakaway <laughs> speed. You look at Xavion Jeans, he's listed at five foot four. And I mean, just, you know, he, he but he, he's fearless the way he runs. He just, mm-hmm. he gets the ball and he hits that hole. And, you know, last week against a good John Tyler defense, um, you know, he's able to go, uh, where is it, 30 carries for 223. And, and the ceiling touchdown there in the last minute. Mm-hmm. But, you know, again, you look at him and you, you don't, you, oh, that's the starting running back. You know, he doesn't have that prototypical look, but he, the guy has been successful. I mean, he's carried the ball 124 times mm-hmm. this season because McGowan spent so much time uh, for 727 yards and five touchdowns. So he's averaging basically six yards a carry. So it wasn't a one-game fluke last yeah. week where John Tyler wasn't ready for this kid and he was able to catch him by surprise. He's been able to produce all season long, and especially if McGowan's unable to go, mm-hmm. it's Pokey's got to be feel good that they're not yeah. just, you know, bankrupt in the backfield in terms of not having mm-hmm. anybody to, to carry the ball because Xavion Jeans has proven that he can do it. Because it's, I mean, say what you will about what John Tyler's had on offense this season, but that's been a pretty solid rushing defense. They don't just allow 200 yards yeah. to uh, just to anybody. So for him to have that kind of performance, yeah, it's got to be a massive confidence boost for them. Yeah, and, and so, you I, you know, I fully expect McKinney North um, – to, to focus on taking him out of it, whether it be him or McGowan. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, they're different challenges, um, and they're going to have to prepare for both. That's the other thing. That mm-hmm. There's two different styles of runner, two different uh, two different backs, and they're going to have to be ready for either one of them because if, if McGowan is there, then they're going to use both, which they have all season long. But expect them to you know, stack the box and make yeah. Jalen Police um, beat them through the air. Uh, you know, he's completed less than 50% of his passes this season. He's made some big plays. You know, he's thrown for over 1,000 yards and 12 touchdowns, only four interceptions. Um, in 166 attempts, which is good. Yeah. Uh, you know, even if he's not hitting on a lot of these plays on the outside, he's not making critical mistakes either. Um, they have an excellent go-to receiver uh, in Tristan Golightly, uh, who's 39 grabs for 603 yards, nine touchdowns. Uh, you know, a little bit of drop-off. Jalen Graham is a playmaker, uh, 19 catches for 317 yards and five scores. They've also used him in the backfield uh, a couple times when I saw him a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So. Um, He's a guy that can do a little bit of everything, but that's, I think, you know, regardless, Petit wants to establish the run, uh, keep that McKinney North offense off the field, and be able to to move the ball there. So I fully expect McKinney North to, you know, we're going to stack the box, and we're going to make it beat you through the air. Uh, Petit has some guys out there that can make big plays, Mm -hmm. but I think that's where the the key on that side of the ball is going to come down to against the McKinney North defense that has been known to give up a few points. Mm-hmm. So that's because that's the no no it's just, it's been the story all year long in McKinney North. Like I think I called them like a they were like a, it was like a Big Twelve team on bath salt with just the ceiling of their offense, but at the same time their defense was giving 
up so much, especially early in the season. And I wanted to kind of just broach that again because I did some you know, little research as I'll be waiting to do. really real out. They've given up 35 points or less since they got the district. And I was curious, though, because I did kind of look through that. So the first four games of the season for North, I mean, it was, I mean, you know, Kendrick, I mean, it was, it was a horror show. I mean, they averaged 51, you know, points allowed, 603.8 yards they allowed. twice. I mean, yeah, they gave up, they were, yeah, there were multiple, there were back-to-back 700-plus yardage games allowed. It's like, like they're playing their own offense. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but then you look at their last five games, and over the last five games, they're allowing only 27.6 points per game and 342 yards per game. But I, the, the question is, though, so you can, you can interpret that one of two ways. Either, you know, you're showing tangible signs of growth on defense, or perhaps maybe the schedule has kind of broken away that they're not really facing the caliber of offense that they saw earlier in the season. Because you look at those five opponents, Sherman, Texas High, Wiley East, West Mesquite, and John Tyler, and you look at the, the you know, their points per game just over the course of this season, none of them are averaging over 30 a game. Whereas those first four teams that they played, McKinney, Northwest, uh, Wakeland, and Heath, they're all averaging at least 34. So those are certainly the best offenses they've seen. So yeah. I don't know. I mean, how do you interpret that, Kendrick? Are you still seeing tangible signs of growth, or is just the schedule kind of broken away to where they're not really seeing the caliber of offense that they saw earlier in the you year? You know me, I, I like to be definitive. Well, I actually think it's both because yeah. the, they play teams, but they've gotten better. I've been to practice. Coach Fetchy been hands-on because really you know, they got back to the basics and worked on tackling and that's been a key as, yeah. as basics that seen they're, they're a better tackling team but um uh, Keith what's the kid from um Ta- John Tyler keep forgetting his name Tom Crawford had 280 yards and three touchdowns in the first half. Like, I'm like, this man's on Gaddick base. <laughs> and they held him to 26 to um, on nine carries, 26 yards in the second half. That's more indicative. They make adjustments, and that's really mm-hmm. the key versus they were making adjustments and people missing tackles and all that stuff. Yeah. I think that, that was more indicative on that, how they matured where they can switch things up. Like against the last game they lost to uh, um, Wakeland, I was there. Wakeland had over seven yards total offense. It had not one, not two, but four plays for touchdowns over 50 yards. Because if you're if you're Poteet, I don't think their success is so much going to be defined by the number of yards that they gain or the number of points. And there's un- unfortunately, you know, for the stats that we have available to us, there's no way to tell what they're ultimately uh, the advantage or disadvantage in the series is going to be. But I think the most important stat for them is time of possession. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, if they're able to, that's going to kind of, in a sense, be their best defense. You, know, you can say what you will about the individual matchups in the North offense versus the Poteet defense. But if they are able to really kind of just you know run that clock down and just shackle North offense to the sidelines. To, I mean, I don't know to what extent teams have had success doing that this year because, again, they've scored at least 35 points in every single game. Um, so, I mean, was like, I, I think of the game against John Tyler. I it was an arranged So it was, yeah, because that's, again, that was, was their lowest scoring performance. So if it was more weather impacted versus anything that John Tyler was doing that maybe made them a yeah, little uncomfortable. Because uh, Markowitz, um, they made a play to start, they picked him. Mm-hmm. Markowitz almost did a dak that game. He had none of the interceptions. Oh, yeah. And he throws one like in the second play of the game. And then he was late on a, on a pass, and but I think it was more weather related mm-hmm. and then that they play that torrential downpour so I think they have more to say about it than anything that they didn't as long as they didn't score 40. So um yeah as far as um just kind of getting to, to keys to victory we can go um you know I think I it's kind of a rhetorical question I know where you guys are leaning on this matchup but 
nevertheless. Um, so, Kendrick, on Monday's podcast, when we were talking about this, you um, you were about to outline your three keys to victory for McKinney North, and I had, and I had to cut you off just because we needed to save some material for, uh, for this episode just in case they got named Game of the Week. So I hope you haven't forgotten those keys to victory. So, But nevertheless, though, I, I'm assuming that you're going north in this one. So I'm going to give you a chance to uh, re- refresh, our, refresh our memories and just what were those three keys to victory that you see the Bulldogs needing to fall through on to get the win? Turnovers. If they don't turn the ball over, I don't see how there's any way that they lose this game. Like I said, last year, um, Markowitz threw the two picks. It was kind of his first game in the saddle. He's only thrown three this whole year. Mm-hmm. And he had and two of them came against Sean Tyler. I don't think he's going to have back-to-back two-pick games. So that's number one. That's the key. Getting stops on third down. Um, part of the reason North has improved on defense is they're getting people off the field more versus they sit there and stay on the field, couldn't get third downs, and then get hit with a big play, and then your your momentum's down. They got to get stops on third downs. Like um, Devin saw that in one game, the uh, West Ski game. They didn't get stops on third down in the third quarter. The fourth quarter, they get stops on third down, and then the game changes mm-hmm. because with their offense being – Texas Techish, they get too stoppish, and then that's that's key. And then one, and then three is an intangible thing, not being too amped up. They've had this game circled mm-hmm. on the calendar since last summer because they felt they should have won and they didn't. And then now with having all these goals that they have for nine games in the program, first outright district title. Sometimes a game like that, you can come out too amped up, and it take you to the second half to adjust, and you're down. By two touchdowns, and you're having a bad half or something like that. So, and you're, and you're not playing in the friendly confines that's MIC Stadium. So they're playing on the road. So mm-hmm. that's a that's a big thing too. So I know I, hopefully the Bulldogs don't come too amped up. But at the end of the day, my score is 40, Bulldogs forty eight, Poteet thirty. Thirty. You I, thought you, I thought you were going to say three. <laughs> <laughs> gonna, like, Whoa! <laughs> all right. Um, that be Seventy Brian, to two. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be Brian Murphy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Devin. So yeah, I don't know if you have a score in mind, but nevertheless, just kind of what do you foresee being, I guess, Poteet's surest path to victory, and I guess, kind of ultimately, where do you fall on on the uh, on this one when all said and done? Yeah, just to, to kind of you know rehash what I said earlier. It's just they have to establish the ground game. It's, yeah. it, you, you can't boil it down to one simple thing, yeah. but I think it just begins with that, and that could change everything about the complexion of the game. Because, again, if they are able to keep that McKinney North offense off the field, they're able to get limited their chances to score, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, also, offenses like McKinney North, they don't like sitting on that sidelines. They get antsy. They, they want to oh, get yeah. back out there. If they have to sit for five, six minutes, sometimes you're a bit more prone to say, Get out there and maybe make a mistake because we haven't been out here. Let's go ahead and show what we can do. I'm tired of you know. Yeah, I, make it for lost get, time. You, you, you kind of lose some of that rhythm. Um, now again, obviously that's easier said than done. Um, but I just think that's what it boils down to because I think if if Boti can do that and dictate the tempo of the game, they can win a you know 31-27 type game. I'm with mm-hmm. Kendrick. If McKinney North gets over 40. McKinney North is going to win the game because I don't think Poteet has the all-around firepower to get involved in a shootout. Mm-hmm. They just not this year. They have in years past, just not, or at least they haven't shown it up to this point. Yeah. Um, but I think you know if they're able to, you know, control that, control the clock, limit McKinney North's chances, and keep it in the you know low 30s, 20s type game, became a type of game that McKinney North hasn't been involved in all season long. But if Poteet can do it, um, similar to the, what they've done the last six games, mm-hmm. um, then I think Poteet has an excellent chance to win this mm-hmm. game because Poteet's one of those programs here in the last decade that in close games, a lot of times they find a way to win. 
and I, obviously this is a new group of kids, a new coaching staff over there, yeah. but that's just kind of their reputation is, is they're, they're able to find ways to win some of these games sometimes, mm. and that's why I, well, I picked them on Friday night. Yeah. The only person that picked them on Friday <laughs> night. <laughs> yeah, so I guess to kind of tip my hand, I mean, because I, uh, you know, the more I thought about this matchup, like there is a very clear, defined path to victory for Poteet, as prolific as McKinney North is, but I think they need Seth McGowan in order to make it happen, and just all that he brings to the table, and I mean, we talked about earlier, just the, the, the you know, 10 plus yards per carry, he's of the, of the top 25 rushers in the area among 5A, he's one of only six that's averaging double digit yards per carry, he's a special, special talent, and McKinney North had their hands full of them last year, um, so with his status kind of in, uh, you know, in doubt right now, I, uh, again, unless, say, I'm, I'm an evidence guy, I need to, like, I need the, the proof to be there if I'm going to commit to something, and unless we get a text from Coach McLean in the next few minutes <laughs> saying that Seth McGowan's a go for Friday, I, um, I've just got to, you know, I just don't know if they have enough to keep up, so I ended up, yeah, I ended up siding with, uh, with McKinney North, and yeah, I mean, despite North being on the road, this was a, a heavy sentiment towards the Bulldogs in this one with a 4-1 to one nod on the uh, on the picket line. As you said, Devin, you're the lone descent, so hey, you know what? Worked out for you last week, so yeah, yeah. we'll see. Yeah, we were all picking, we were all in the John Tyler bandwagon after that clunker that Poteet had against West Mesquite, and <laughs> made us look silly, so... We'll see, but yes, that is our uh, that is our game of the week as voted on by y'all. Uh, Mesquite Poteet hosting McKinney North Friday, seven o'clock at Mesquite Memorial Stadium. Should be a fun one. Um, let's see. We obviously got four other games though that were up for consideration for game of the week, and we can do a little cursory breakdown of those games and some picks on the other side of this break after a word from this sponsor. Today's podcast is brought to you by Star Local Media. 14 newspapers and websites with a print distribution of 270,000 homes and monthly pages of 600,000 online. Star Local Media, your community voice for news. And now, let's get back to the podcast. And we are back. We've uh, we've talked plenty on uh, McKinney North and Mesquite Poteet as our game of the week. So let's touch on some of the other marquee matchups in our coverage area for Week 11. Um, certainly, no lack of games with, uh, with district title implications, with playoff implications, and all that good stuff. So let's start over in. Um, let's get another uh, de facto district championship game out of the way. Over in District 75A Division Two, you have at Frisco ISD Memorial Stadium Friday 7 o'clock, Lovejoy at Frisco. Um, two teams that have been part of that. Uh, they've been in the thick of that log jam at 75 D 2 all season. The winner of this game gets um, at least a share of the district championship. You know, they're both tied with uh, with Denton Braswell for first place in that district. And, um, and yeah, we'll see. So if, if Frisco is able to win, then um, then they would be crowned the, uh, the outright district champions because they already have a win over Braswell. Meanwhile, Lovejoy lost to Braswell, so by winning they'll at least guarantee themselves a share. If Braswell were to lose to Denison, then Lovejoy gets it outright. So um, yeah, obviously seeding implications and all that good stuff on the line as far as um, kind of where um, we're leaning on this game, um, I this is a tough one. All these games in the uh, in the top tier of this district are really tough. This and, and, you know. I, I missed every game that we picked on this district all year long. So good news for you, Lovejoy fans, yeah. because there's not yeah, there's not a lot of separation between these teams. You just you look at a team like teams like Frisco and Lovejoy and how close the games against Reedy were, or that they've you know Lovejoy has been in multiple overtime games this season. I mean it's. It's it's a really really talented and competitive district at the top. Um, ultimately, though, what I uh, would kind of boil down to this one is I just think Frisco has a few more ways to win 
Um, you know, we've really only seen Fresco struggle in one particular kind of segment. It was that 10-7 game yeah. against Denison. That weird wonky game where, you know, Denison was really able to, I mean, Denison's a run-based offense and they did a really good job of, kind of like we alluded to earlier, of really just kind of keeping Frisco's offense shackled to the uh, to the sidelines. You know, Frisco, as we've you know talked about the added passing game that they have this season, you know, to complement that, uh, that great wing tee of theirs. Um, whereas with Lovejoy, I don't know if they're capable of kind of replicating that sort of strategy or so. And I, granted, that doesn't mean that's the only way you can beat Frisco, but I just think that, uh, you know, Lovejoy, they, they, they somehow survived last week against Denison despite only rushing for six yards <laughs> overall, which seems impossible. At today's football. Yeah, yeah. I just, I don't like, again, they've, they're, um, whether it's the pass, whether it's the run, they've just they've had a few too many, and even in victory, some inconsistencies in their play. And I don't know. I just kind of like the overall. I think Frisco just has a uh, you know just again more ways to beat you. And I kind of uh, you know the team that has more routes conceivably, I'm going to side with that. So I ended up going with Frisco in this one. Um, I don't know. You guys picked Frisco as well. I mean, was there anything different from what I said as far as what led you all to uh, you know to picking the uh, the raccoons in the end? Or the red bike for Lovejoy for costing me last week. There you go. No, that, that too. No, but no, that, that, that's one thing that I that yeah. I did. You know what? listening to Brian talk about Frisco it's mm. just we, we just marveled at you know how the, running the wing tee in this day yeah. and age and the fact that they still use it effectively mm. and that teams know it's coming but you can't prepare it. for it with, in but, just one week yeah. and try to duplicate what they do and just how successful they, they've been but the fact that you mentioned that they've added a, pa- a passing element which is so tough to do when you know in that kind of offense but it's so effective when you when you are able to, to incorporate that you know I just think that that's why again the Denison game threw me off for three mm-hmm. weeks because I didn't know what to make of them, but um, you know, I just think that gives them a little bit more of an edge. And the what's because the fact that I, I saw I saw them in I don't want to call it a real game, but the you know, the scrimmage before the season against uh, North, they can fly. They got guys that they got two or three dudes that can scoot, and the quarterback's very athletic. So yeah. that's why I'm, I'm leaning on from actually seeing them going somewhat has to be full speed. Because <laughs> as bizarre as that loss to Denison might have looked on paper, it's like we, we focus on the seven, but it's also like they only did a lot of ten points to what's been a pretty prolific offense in yeah. Denison. So Frisco can definitely play some defense as well. I think a little bit better than Lovejoy. So yeah, I'm siding with that with Frisco. It was a four-to-one nod in favor of the Raccoons in this one. Taylor Raglan being the dissenting vote. He is going with Lovejoy. The rest of the staff picking Frisco to get that uh, that district championship. Then you've got the Axe game. The, the annual <laughs> battle of the Axe over at Max Goldsmith Stadium in Louisville, the Farmers Welcome Marcus. Um, kind of like you with, uh, with Lovejoy last week, man. Louisville let a lot of us down. Yeah, I was going to say, speaking of teams that burned me last yeah. week, not picking against this I week. was, man, I was, I was so red. I really had talked myself into as much as I had been pumping up Hebron all season. I really did feel like Louisville was playing the better, more consistent brand of football on both sides for that matter. And once you know, they go out and they just get their heads kicked in yeah, by the Hawks. I'm at my side. I didn't pay attention that they were playing at the Woodshed. It's like Hebron's a different team at the Woodshed. Yeah, yeah. They, they take teams to the Woodshed. But it was, yeah, it wasn't just the fact that they got beat. I could totally seen them lose a 34-31 sure. game. Yeah, I like, it was the fact that they that game was over in the first half. I know. It looked, I mean... Very, very disappointing. Because <laughs> I mean, let's not, again, take away from the job that Louisville had done up until that point because they have had a really strong season. You know, their only other loss in district has come in that nail-biter against, yeah. against Flower Mound where they were, again, like 12 seconds away from winning that thing. Um, so Louisville's still a solid team. Marcus, though, has... Um, they've already locked up the, uh, you know, the, the high seed in the 6A Division uh, Division 2 bracket, I believe. Um, they're going for their first ever, you know, I don't 
know if it's first ever, but their first uh, you know outright district yeah. championship in quite some time. Um, so obviously there is still that at stake because you know you wonder when you do have kind of your playoff seed essentially decided how you're going to approach the game. But I think just because of the rivalry stakes in this one, the Battle of the Axe, it's one of the few robbers where you actually like, you actually play for something. It's an actual trophy to be won, and um, so yeah, I, I think they're going to approach this as they would any other any other game. And I mean, we've, their their offense has just been ridiculous this season. You know, that was one thing that um, at least I was I was proud to at least get to jump on. You know, watching them over a, you know in the offseason, you kind of got a sense that okay, this offense might be a little bit more explosive than it's been in recent years. And um, and yeah, it's certainly lived up to it. The number one offense in the district, and um, and their defense has shown pretty well. So I think they're going to get enough to. Uh, I think they're going to wrap it up, and I think they're going to go undefeated in district play. And that'd be such a huge, huge uh, you know feather in the cap for uh, you know for Kevin Atkinson and that crew to uh, especially after missing out on the playoffs last year. Just what an incredible one-year turnaround to uh, to win that district as competitive as it's been. Um, kind of like again Frisco and uh, and Lovejoy. I just think that they're just a little bit better on both sides of the ball. That's what I thought. Just the offense. Looking at their offensive mm-hmm. numbers, I fully expect Louisville to to bounce back. Yeah. I mean, that was. We're not saying anything bad about Louisville being in the yeah. separation with them. He made this anomaly. Those things, those games happen, and, and it just yeah. got away. Hebert is really good and, too. And that again, just got away yeah, from. Yeah. Him. I fully Absolutely. expect that this game to be what we what we expected last week. A game that goes down to the wire. I just think Marcus has a little bit too much firepower yeah. on offense. Marcus is that team this year. Mm-hmm. As they say, it's the time. Then you have, oh yeah, well that one was uh, yeah, it was unanimous. We're all going Marcus over Louisville. So looking for the Marauders to polish off an undefeated run through district play. Then you got over in District 9-6A. This game, uh, depending on what happens in Plano and Prosper, man, you wonder if they're going to be piping in updates to this one in McKinney ISD Stadium. Oh, it will. You can <laughs> I imagine. You. you can imagine if, like, if you, know, you get a Prosper 21, Plano 0, and then all of a sudden, like, the, the energy in that stadium is going to become, like, oh, my God, because what um, what happens? So we're talking about McKinney and McKinney Boy, the, the Crosstown Showdown over in McKinney ISD. Um, McKinney ISD Stadium hosts this one Friday at 7 o'clock. If Plano loses to Prosper, which, you know, if just looking at the picket line, we all see that happening. The winner of McKinney and McKinney Boyd gets in. They get that last playoff spot in District 9-6A. Felt like a pretty, you know, pretty far-fetched scenario just a couple weeks ago, <laughs> but weird things have happened in 9-6A. Plano's been bitten by the injury bug, and they have fallen back into the pack, and uh, and now it is all it is all up for grabs. We have chaos in the making for Friday night. So, Kendrick, you're going to be at this game. These are your two schools over at the 6A teams. level. So, um, so, yeah, we'll try to, I guess, you know, try to make up something then. So, let's see. <laughs> So I'm sorry. sorry. I mean, yeah. What is your read on this matchup? Is it, it's been they've had this one circled all season long. McKinney and McKinney Boy. Just what are your thoughts on it? It's going. It won't be a a shootout. Um, like last year, it was like 14. It was tied up at halftime, 14-14, mm-hmm. and they turned to shoot in the second half. I think the um, the winner of this game, whoever scores over 21 points, will win this game. I'm leaning towards the Lions for the simple fact they have more ways to win. Mm-hmm. They have three a three-headed runner, um, running attack. Either one of those guys could go off for 100 yards and two touchdowns, or 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 they could just get five carries and two of them are over 40 yards. Mm-hmm. That's and then the um, the Boyd offense has been been so inconsistent, I don't have enough confidence in them yeah. that they're going to be able to generate enough points to beat the Lions. But I will say this, as you, you see this firsthand, mm-hmm. boys defense can score on you if you slip up. Oh yeah, boys defense is, <laughs> yeah, that's... I will say, they're, in a, they're, they're, they're probably top for second for the best defense behind Allen in that district. Oh yeah, like... So maybe top, right up there with a prosper or something like again, that. Again, you look at this again, you look at the record and it's nothing to write so, home about, but that defense held Allen, and I know it was in bad weather or whatnot, uh, under, but they still... Under 30, under 30 points. Yeah, they still held Allen to 24 points. Like Prosper, you know, Prosper 
Casper only had what was it three or six points at the first, you know at halftime and, in that game. And the two touchdowns, two of those touchdowns were um, they had short side of the ball off turnovers or going for it on, on fourth down, so they had short fields mm-hmm. on two of the touchdowns. So that defense, if the defense from Boyd can generate a touchdown like they did against um, Jesuit or something like that. That, that, that flips everything. But I, um, I, I'm leaning towards the um, lines. I'm not going to give a score, but I think it's going to be close. And if I have to go to Vegas, which I do often, <laughs> we'll put my money on the, on the Lions to um, come through let, in, let a, in a closer fashion. Let me when you get out there. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, kind of the same way. You know, kind of echoing the same thoughts of you, Kendrick. I ended up siding with the Lions in this one. Kind of, again, just because I feel like they're, they're – like with what Boyd did last week against Plano, that was very, very impressive. You know, But, I mean, obviously Plano was – the, the the version of the plan of offense that McKinney saw earlier in the year and the one that Boyd saw, it's not the same because, again, you can't underestimate how bad those losses at receiver have been for Plano. Um, but nevertheless, though, if, like, if Boyd's offense is able to sustain drives, even just, like, just here and there, it doesn't have to be every single time you're marching downfield putting together 12, 15 plays, um, but just if they can just keep that defense fresh, then it just it changes a lot in this game mm-hmm. because I think Boyd's defense is very capable of slowing down McKinney. I mean, we talked about what they did against Allen and Prosper. You know, McKinney doesn't have that kind of firepower, no. so it's... Um, and another uh, thing, not to cut you off, is mm-hmm. uh, a big thing that they're, that the Lions are looking at, no McKinney team has won back-to-back team um, games in this rivalry. So they ended the drought last year. Mm-hmm. So they want to put that exclamation point and start their own streak mm-hmm. against Boyd, which would be a f- change of roles just mm-hmm. like that. So, yeah, we uh, kind of in, in conjunction with what we were thinking back when district play first began and we were laying out our district predictions, we all see McKinney getting in somehow, some way. It's a weird roadmap that they took to get to this <laughs> yeah, point. they got in. They just, <laughs> no man, be in. they never make it easy on but, themselves. But the, the, the crosstown showdown, without putting the score out there, will be decided by a touchdown less. I've seen three of mm-hmm. them. I see one come down to the last play. I take that back. The first time I saw a blowout, North, I mean, Boyd won 38-14. Mm-hmm. Second year, it literally went down to the last play. And then last year, um, McKinney got a late pick by Isaiah Rojas, who's their star receiver now, mm-hmm. to seal, seal the deal. And they, they only won by eight points. So, yeah. Costa, when these two teams hook up, like they say, you literally throw the records out the window. <laughs> Perhaps you could say the same about our last game on the docket. <laughs> Rowlett and Saxe. This one over in District 10-6A. Going to get a little bit of clarity to another just absolute mess of a district. Um, this one, Friday, 7 o'clock at Williams Stadium. Devin, you're going to be in the house for this one. So, um, yeah, man, just kind of break down the stakes for this one and just kind of where you're, uh, where you're leaning on this, uh, on this pivotal match. Well, you mentioned uh, actually having a tangible trophy. This one has a tangible hammer bowl. Okay, so, I didn't even know that. Well, just, really? Huh? That was a trophy, though? Rowlett's first principal when they opened was Marlene was Hammerly. Yeah. Oh. Her husband, Steve yeah, Hammerly, was, was the principal when Saxe opened. And so they created the hammer trophy okay. that they traded around there. That. That's cool. Yeah. yeah so. My brother actually played for Rowlett, so I know my yeah. parents about there. We well, shout out to the we Eagles. We need more I, rivalries I, with trophies <laughs> in high school no. football. And I wish I had a picture to show you. I saw it because they were, they were passing it around yeah. on, on Twitter earlier this week. Um but this has been a it's a strange district. It's yeah. a strange rivalry recently. I mean, three years ago, these two teams were undefeated. People were touting this as the biggest game in Garland ISD in 20 years. Saxe goes out there and wins 33-7. I mean, it was, wasn't even a game. Yeah. Two years ago, Saxe was supposed to beat them by 40 points. That Saxe team with you know, just the maidens and, and just that talent mm-hmm. that they had, uh, it was supposed to be close. Well, Rowlett was up two touchdowns in the, in the fourth quarter <laughs> before you know, Saxe rallies yeah. with 21 points to win 42-35. Last year, again, supposed to be a lot closer. Biggest blowout in series history. Saxe wins 48 nothing. So 
who knows with that rivalry and who knows with this di- this weird district. Um, you know, we've talked about it all year. Rowlett, uh, four games in districts decided by two points or less, <laughs> including three by one point. Yeah. Saxy, three games decided by three points or less. Uh, they're two and one in those games. Rowlett's three and one in those games. Um, you know, obviously this has playoff implications. Saxy's playing for a share of the district title mm-hmm. uh, and to assure itself the top seed in Division One. Maybe. Um, I don't want to get into all those different tiebreakers, but there is a way if Rowlett loses and Naaman Forrest beats Lakeview, then Rowlett's out. Mm-hmm. Um, the trickle-down effect on that is that Wiley then potentially shoots up to Division One, and they would be the top seed in Division One, thus giving Saxe a date with Allen in the first yeah. round, but that's all particulars that we'll see what happens. I think I think Lakeview beats Damon Forrest. Just as, as good of a turnaround as Damon Forrest has made mm-hmm. under Jesse Perales and that first-year coaching staff to even put themselves in position to make the playoffs, I still think Lakeview wins that game, and so it kind of holds true to form. Um, but as far as this game, it's just, you know, you look at the, the big names from this district, Kamar Wheaton for Lakeview, Sean Coleman, and now kind of an emerging Brian Okoye for Saxe, um, Sabron Woods up at North Garland, mm-hmm. Kingsley Bennett at Naaman, even Jaleel Brown at South. All these guys are runners. I mean, there's not, with the exception of, of Sergio Perez or at, at, at Garland, none of these guys has thrown for more than 1,200 yards. Wow. So when you're all basically ground-based, it, it you got longer possessions, and thus you keep the scores down. So mm-hmm. unlike some of our districts we talk about where it's, you know, 45-42, again, all the games in this district have been 20. 21-20. <laughs> you know, to 20. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, Rowlett beat Naaman the Forest 7-6. Yeah. to six. See, Even Saxe and Lakeview, who arguably had yeah. the two most dynamic offenses in, this, in, the, in the district, it was 17-14. And it took a defensive play late in the game mm-hmm. to set up that, um, that score. So I think this is going to be a low-scoring game. I think Saxe has the more proven – Offensive players with Sean Coleman, mm-hmm. and I mentioned Brian Okoye, the sophomore who had 80-yard yeah. touchdown pa- or, or touchdown run last week. Uh, the question for Rowlett is Alex Rout can be healthy. Um, their, their, their quarterback, who um, obviously leads them through the air, but he's also the leading rusher. Yeah. And without him, uh, it, you know, if he's unable to go, you know, they don't have that consistent running threat alongside him. Uh, like I say, he leads the team in rushing. I do like what I've seen from Colton Yarborough in limited touches. He's averaging over eight yards per carry. Mm-hmm. He's made a couple big plays, a couple long touchdown r- runs here in the last couple weeks. Um, Dewanye Newton's also been able to, to do some things on the ground. It just hasn't, they haven't able, been able to do it as consistently. And neither team has really been able to establish anything consistent through the air. So I think you're looking at another low scoring game <laughs> where the defense, because both defenses have been good all season long, but it also helps when you're not playing you know, an offense that's capable of scoring 50. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I pick Saxe in this game just because I think they're a little bit more proven. Um, I think Rowlett with their health issues is a big concern. But I think it's going to be close, and I think it's going to be a little scoring. Like I say, I think it's something along the lines of 21-10 Saxe. And there you go. And they were you were not alone, Devin. The picket line was unanimous in backing Saxe to continue its winning ways against Rowlett. And, uh, yeah, folks, that'll that'll do it for this episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. As far as games that we have, uh, are covering, we want to touch on our coverage slate. Um, well, I guess I've already kind of intimated it. You're going to be at McKinney McKinney Boyd on Friday. You're going to be at Rowlett Saxe. I'm going to go out to Prosper. My first trip out to uh, that new stadium out in Prosper to watch them play Plano. Because, um, yeah, that game still does carry significance in District 9-6A. And we'll... We'll see. I mean, it's. I feel like. I mean, it could be. A, it could wind up being one of the darker nights in the history of Plano ISD well, football because if Plano loses, then for the first time ever, all three Plano schools will not make the playoffs or well, out of the playoffs. They will not have a single representative in the playoffs for Plano ISD. Well, you mentioned the buzz too. If they announce Prosper twenty one, what if they announce Plano twenty one, Prosper zero, zero at halftime, and the two <laughs> teams are going? 
<laughs> seriously? I mean, I mean, it's, yeah. it's, that could creep in, you know, if, if that's something it, like that. It, it can't be as crazy as uh, two years ago when McKinney had the ball at the two, mm-hmm. but they were losing. But they they were losing within eight points because Boyd had to win by eight points. Yeah. McKinney basically they had to not lose by eight points. So even though McKinney lost the game, it's crazy because it's a goal line stand on Matt Gaddick, which I think he got in. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Miss Jennifer Gaddick. I think he gets in. Is she watching this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <sorry. laughs> and they um they you see Boyd people going crazy and McKinney guys like booming and like he's like um we're going to the playoffs we're going to the playoffs and like. It was the most oddest thing because yeah. the team that lost was going to the playoffs and the team that won was going home, but their emotions were room. So I've seen weird situations with this showdown already. So it can't be no worse than that. Yeah, I mean, like I said, though, it would be the first time in history that Plano has not had a team in the playoffs since they, I guess, uh, since they've had three, uh, you know, three teams in the school district. And mm. yeah, so in a sense, maybe I, I might be walking into a funeral on Friday <laughs> of sorts. But uh, who knows? I guess, like you said, kinda, I mean, crazier things have happened. So we'll uh, we'll see. If what the uh, what the Wildcats can muster against uh, what's probably going to be a pretty pissed off Prosper team after getting their heads kicked <laughs> in by Allen last week, so we'll see. Yeah, that one's Friday seven o'clock out at Children's Health Stadium at Prosper ISD. I think that's how the entire thing is said. Um, and yeah, that's going to be uh, what we have on tap for our uh, for week eleven of high school football season, um, folks. Hey, appreciate y'all for checking this out. Enjoy the rest of your week, and we will talk to y'all later. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all. StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.